Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Tim. And today's special guest, we have Justin Holt. Hey, Justin. Hey, how's it going? Hey. Good. Thanks, thanks for joining us today. I am absolutely happy to be here. So I thought we'd start off by talking about Fuji and the recent developments with them discontinuing some stuff, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, But before we do, can um, you give our listeners kind of a background on yourself and how you got started in photography and shooting film and all that stuff? For sure. Um, It all started back when I was about 15 is when I started kind of shooting more professionally. And of course, at that age, being 35 now, that was film. You didn't have a yeah, choice. Yeah, yeah, nice, yeah. Uh, same, nice. same. Um, you know, it started with uh, the classic K1000. It's a, you know, everybody's starter, I think, these days. But uh, as far as it goes, um, before that, it was like, you know, point and shoot uh, disposable cameras on family trips all the time. Uh, both my parents are teachers. Uh, so we would travel every summer and I would always get those little film point and shoots. Oh, um, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And uh, shot those a lot and um, found my eye through that and then just kind of progressed forward. Uh, Eventually started my own web design company. At the time, there wasn't a lot in stock photography. So you learn to shoot for yourself. (laughs) And basically, that just kind of led me up till about the time I was 25. At 25, I kind of had a rough time in my life and uh, decided to kind of reboot everything. And on my 25th birthday, I decided no matter what I do going forward, it's all photography related, uh, no matter what. So Ooh, I love uh, that. Yeah, that's just continued on. So uh, I just really haven't stopped um, really much. <laughs> uh, film for me, I really just got back into it about a year ago. Um, I mean, I dabbled here and there, but like really getting into it. Uh, about a year ago, I started shooting 100% film for personal uh, projects and stuff like nice. that. So yeah, it's it's it's, the best. it's back. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, yeah, let's, let's talk about Fuji. I know I'm pretty bummed. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a tough thing, right? Because you got to look at if it's not in their business plan and they don't want to be part of that community. Do we really want them there? <laughs> I think somebody else, I don't know if maybe you had said that, but somebody else kind of put that out too. They're like, well, good riddance. They're not doing anything to help us. And I was like, I know, but they killed pack film too. <laughs> they, they do, but you have to look at, you know, I mean, Kodak's doing such a good job right now um, and Ilford. And when we look at Kodak as the film company and we look at Ilford as the film company, True. what they're doing is 100% film where Fuji, and I think it may have to something to do with this is with Fuji you look at their cameras and their cameras are sold on film simulation yeah so what are they doing they're just taking their film or they're taking their digital shooters and teaching them to the look of film and then they learn hey it's the look of film we don't want to shoot digital 
Yeah, but you think that they would like support both sides if that was the case, you know, like if man, money, money rules all though, you know, I I think it, I think it really comes down to, they see their profits in, in stacks. Every 13 year old has an Instax camera. True. And, you know, all professionals are turning into mirrorless cameras because it's a lot easier to carry something like that than, you know, your Canon 1DX Mark 57 <laughs> and like 20 lenses. And, you know, it's it and the quality you're getting with. Uh, I, I don't see I don't know the names of those cameras very well, but like the X Pro 2 or whatever yeah, it's yeah, called, yeah. like that that camera puts out some incredible stuff like what they're doing on the digital end is amazing and i i i mean it's just getting left behind in the dust i mean i feel like it's all gonna kind of just keep year after year when the stocks who knows i mean they probably haven't made a new roll of film in god knows how long you know what i mean we Mm. they could just be running out of warehouse stock and when it gets to that point they're probably just like well we got about another seven months until (laughs) until i mean i don't know personally i i I hate to dig because it breaks my heart. So I try not to not to really dig for the info. I just like to sit back and watch everybody get upset. <laughs> that's the I mean, I guess it makes sense. That's a really good point because like Kodak really didn't you know, they tried to put out digital cameras back in the day. I remember they weren't good, you know. Yeah. So like it makes sense that they luckily have st- you know, especially now realize they need to stay with the Kodak professional film stuff um, because they never went that route with digital. I, I didn't really put the two together that, that right. Fuji has great digital cameras and that's mm-hmm. where they're going to focus. Yeah. And you look, you know, with, with the whole Fuji thing, it's it's one of those things. Like I said, if, if they're not going to be there to support the community, it's, it's not a big loss because we have so many other, you know, film companies that are starting to show up. And you, you got Kodak coming out with the, you know, P3200 right. and, and, you know, Ilford taking shots at them. I mean, that, that whole <laughs> side is very yeah, healthy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very yeah. healthy market over there. So, um, you know, maybe Fuji just doesn't want to compete anymore. I just think like it, my like our initial reaction to it just like makes me nervous like because I was around when Kodak was like everybody was discontinuing stuff. You yeah. know, it's like I got back into film and I wanted to shoot uh Ektachrome. No, e- yeah. Right? Is that Kodak- what you're saying? Kodachrome, sorry, Ektachrome. <laughs> <laughs> um and it I discontinued right when I was ready to shoot it. Nowadays I see like this is discontinued and now this is gone it's like wait 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 this can't be happening again i mean i'm smarter than that but it just doesn't feel you know it's like this makes me nervous i guess man i sit here and i keep thinking but now that fuji's kind of falling to the wayside and they're and they're not like a main competitor anymore that leaves room for the silberas and Mm -hmm. the jch and all the people who want to bring us film stocks and want to be there, you know, maybe that's going to make it possible for them to actually do something about it where they mm-hmm. don't have to, you know, compete as hard with one of these monster companies. Maybe Fuji kind of giving up. I wish they would just give up. You know what I mean? I wish they would just because it's, it's heartbreaking because, you know, I don't know what I would do if Kodak was like, well, we're discontinuing Tri-X and, yeah. you know, October's the last time you're going to be able to. Like, yeah, but I mean, I feel like Kodak's, they want to be doing this. Right, right. You know, they want to be doing this right now. You know, you never hear anything from Fuji. It's true. There's never like a representative. You get that one or two paragraphs that are like, you know, oh. 
and you know it's gone you know mm-hmm. there's no like hey it's sorry there's no like fuji film podcast where it's like right. you know like the kodakery right, right. or something mm-hmm. like that like i just feel like they've kind of checked out on that whole thing you know so i don't know but i would hate to be like my my stepdad he's a acros 100 shooter like he loves that film you know yeah. and to and he's just getting into not just getting into shooting film but he's been shooting film for a while and he's you know he finally ditched the the digital camera and is just like solely shooting film and to have one of like his favorite stocks go away is i feel for him you know what i mean i'm like damn because i watched his progress of trying to find what fit his style and what he wanted to shoot and he was like man i finally found it you know it's the fuji acros 100 and now i'm like i know i feel so bad i don't know what it's like there's t-max 100 hopefully that (laughs) hopefully you like that yeah you know or delta 100 like it's i don't know I just I feel for the everyday shooters of something like that because it's you know it's an extension of our eye and our arms and our minds and our you know that's their paintbrush like so it's it's a real bummer it's heartbreaking yeah it becomes part of like your style too like oh 100% Kodak took you know portrait 400 away I'd be like I would lose it because it's just (laughs) part of what I shoot you know like my style you know what I hope that they give up to somebody is the filmmaking equipment yeah. yeah, because they were selling stock to so many companies, you know, to Agfa and to all these mm-hmm. other companies or Astra. And like, I, I hope somebody can buy that equipment and put it to good use. I just hope that doesn't go to waste. I just hope they didn't destroy it. You know, because they would not sell. I mean, at least from what I heard. Again, I'm not an expert on this. I hate to dig deeper just because it hurts. You know, like yeah. I don't. I, whatever. I just like you hear about the pack film stuff, though, because it, it's like, oh no, the machines are gone and stuff. Like it's it's done, and they wouldn't sell the patent or the whatever the machines to anyone. Like they just wanted it to be done. Like that's ridiculous. It is. I mean, if you look at like impossible, thank God that they. We're like, yeah, you can have this last machine. Yeah. You know, like, can you imagine it, it would have been dead, dead. Yeah, that, I love what, what Impossible has done with yeah, uh, like, changing over to the Polaroid originals and, and all that stuff. And actually, uh, Thrifting Today picked up a uh, original uh, one step. So Nice. nice. I'm going to have to hit them up for some film. <laughs> <laughs> Man. And yeah, you look at Fuji's success with the Instax. I mean, they're doing so well with that. So incredibly mm-hmm. well. Yeah, you think that. they'd be like, well, what else? What else could we do that people are really into? It's like they're out, so out of tune. I feel like. Well, no. and, and, yeah, I think you hit it right on the head there. They're not really kind of listening to what's happening in the film community. They just look at what's the quick, easy buck right now. Yeah, that's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's tr- it's true what you said about Kodak. Like Kodak has the podcast. They have there's a there's a walk they're doing in L.A. Next week, I'm going to try and go to. They're out here for us, and Fuji isn't. They're hitting the streets. Like, I love Kodak for that reason. Like, mm-hmm. just to hear that they're, you know, they have their magazine now. They have, mm-hmm. you know, they do these. Like, we had a photo walk here in Nashville recently. Yeah, and, that's the one that's coming to L.A. now. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you want to gain respect and love from people. You you hang out with people. You get involved with people. You find out what, I mean, I know when I used to play live music, the only way to get fans is to go play live music to go Mm -hmm. be a part of something so like fuji's not i mean i don't know maybe fuji is doing something i don't i don't know because i'm not into the digital thing and you know i have a couple instax cameras and 
I appreciate it. You know, it's cheaper than Polaroid, so it's kind of nice to go out and shoot that every once in a while. But, you know, uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to see. Wait and see. Wait and see. Well, the other thing, too, is look at Kodak. I mean, when when you look at the YouTubers out there, the podcasters out there, mm-hmm. and all the people out there who are making noise, right? Yep. And, and yeah. beating the film drum, right? You know, there's a few of them to talk Fuji, and, and you see some people who shoot Fuji, but 90% of it's Kodak or yeah. Ilford. Like, you yeah. know, yeah. that the big, the big banging of the drums is not coming from Fuji. They were kind of sitting back and kind of... Eh. That's true. Yeah, on April April Fool's Day, Chris, I was going to text you a fake article about Portra being discontinued, but I was like, oh, what if she like drives off the side of the street while she's reading it? So I did. I was like, no, I probably should I'd have like a real reaction and yeah, then yeah. be like... That is Ugh. so cruel. <laughs> so I, yeah, I decided against it, but... Too funny. I don't know, man. I just, I hope, again, it just kind of paves the way for... You know, these up and comers, the ones that want to be a part of this, the ones that want to be, you know, Cine still and film. film Oh, man, I can't wait until there's their color, their color positive film comes out. Like, I I just can't wait for what's to come in this thing. I know. You know, we still have a lot to look forward to. It's it's very true. Yeah. You know. And that and that's with, you know, when we look at that, like we can't say film is dying or we can't say that film's not making its comeback just because Fuji's disappearing. There's so many more things on the horizon. I agree. That's true. Thankfully, I feel like we can't say film's dead, too, because there are so many. It is such a hot ticket item right now. Like I see so many people, you know, even digital shooters for so long that are now, you know, dabbling in film or shooting more film and wedding photographers turning to film and it's 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 spreading like a like a weed right now i feel like it's it's cool again you know it's cool again and everybody loves the look you know that's what we've been trying to emulate with digital for so long is the look of film at least for me like i had all the visco presets and stuff like that like (laughs) i wanted it to look like you know Fuji film or Kodak film. And it's 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 very true. I went to um, a flea market over the weekend, which I, I haven't been able to go to um, in a while. And I was just walking around with my boyfriend and we brought our dogs. And like I saw so many film cameras. Mm. It was like, I was like, babe, look, there's another one. Look, there's another <laughs> one. Look, he's got a Hasselblad. Like, I was like... I, I couldn't believe it, and I when I went to the 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 women's march too, same thing. It was so many people, a lot of young people, but a lot of older people too, rocking the film cameras. So it's very, it's 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 very true, and you know the community is still here, and I don't know, it's just awesome to see like that when you can walk around and yeah. see it all on the streets too. Like I'm not the only one, you know. Mm-hmm. My playground's in Toronto, and when I'm shooting uh, just on the street and having fun. You know, it, it's kind of fun to see. Um, I think, what is it? One out of every four cameras is digital. Like, there's way more film yeah. cameras being yeah. shot in Toronto. Like, it, it's it's like some ridiculous four to one ratio. Yeah, was, I remember when it wasn't like that. The cameras everywhere were digital. Yeah. So, it's, it's, it's insane to see that switch. And it's just a beautiful thing, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. And it was, I mean, when I was clearly into the digital realm and that's what i was trying to do is become you know a professional hotshot it it was just a pissing contest and i don't feel like that anymore you know i feel like it's just like a kind of more of a buddy system i saw a dude just i was kind of just walking around because i always walk back and forth to work i only work 
two or three three blocks away from my job and just like you guys were talking about you know i'm starting to see more you know a ones around people's mm-hmm. necks around kids necks and you know stuff like that and it's it's just so heartwarming and it feels mm-hmm. so good that i'm not like oh man he has a what does he got you know i'm not yeah. like judging his camera i'm like dude i do a podcast yeah, like, you yeah, should, yeah. come here come here <laughs> i have something to like talk to you about yeah like, let's go hang out i was thinking of actually getting business cards for our, our show just because it's you have film camera check this yeah. out like come hang with us you know what i mean yeah it's it's um kind of a funny story just kind of harking back to that stuff but I was uh, shooting last weekend in Toronto, and it's me and my better half, and we're we're walking in the distillery district, which is a place I hadn't been yet. Really fun, Ooh. kind of funky place. And this guy is literally pulling on his wife's arm to come talk to me because I'm <laughs> yes. shooting. I'm shooting the roller cord, right? And it's like, oh, yeah. look at this, you guys. Yes. <laughs> That's the best. That's what I mean. Like that's the best part of it. It's funny though, because for the longest time, I had people being like, "Isn't." Where, can you still get that developed to being mm-hmm. like, ooh, what are you shooting? Like, oh, yeah. do you shoot this? Because there's a there's a there's a uh, guy that I talk to at Starbucks every morning, and he he sh- he started shooting film. He's doing the like the YouTube explorer travely dude thing, and he's like, oh, I just shot my like second roll of film, and it's it's so much fun. But I I I broke the roll rewinding it. Like, what do I do? And I'm like, oh man, it's awesome. Just give it to me. I'll fix it for you. Or, (laughs) you know, go into your closet. And there's just so many tricks. Like, I'm just glad that it's not, can you still get that developed to, Mm -hmm. you know, finally talking about things again, like real stuff, you know, yeah, like tips and tricks that we have. It's, it's just cool. Not to, not to, um, use a word that we tend to always use but the community is awesome man i'm mm-hmm. sorry yeah <laughs> it, it's just so much fun to be able to hop on and talk to anybody about this thing now like there's so many people and like i would say five or six years ago i kind of felt like a loner in the film mm-hmm. world and not mm-hmm. that there weren't thousands and thousands of people doing it but i don't know i feel a little better about it now Absolutely. the community is just so cool i mean yeah. you know you know, and I'm sure you've been through it. You go through a digital community, you ask a question on a form and they blow up at you. And like in the film community, you <laughs> yeah. ask one question, you got 60 great answers yeah. and everybody trying to give you a hand. And it's like, whoa, okay, this is good. Man, there's nothing better than actually getting help instead of getting made. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's still those lurkers out there. Like I get a couple of them on my YouTube channel and I'm sure we, we've had a couple about this podcast mm-hmm. too that have, have said some not so nice things, <laughs> but it's... Uh, you know, we deal with that on the day to day. But overall, man, it, this thing is just insane. Yeah, we're like making friends. That's the best part. Exactly. Andre's coming out for uh, he's got an internship with with Cine Still. So I we're know. Gonna, we're going to hang a bunch this summer. I'm so excited. That's wild. That kid. I don't know how he finds that. Andre, I don't know how you find the time <laughs> to do all that you do. Like, I am so blown away by you. Like his dedication to everything is nuts. It's awesome. That's what's making the community go around. <laughs> yeah, true. for real. People like him, you know. Anyway, Justin, I wanted to talk to you about the dark room you work for. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so about, uh, I guess it was about six months ago or so, uh, ended up um, buying some dark room equipment for myself and finding this amazing community dark room uh, here in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. 
and um, quickly became a board member. Um, but yeah. <laughs> just oh, yeah. to give you an idea of the history of this I place. I feel like we all would be yeah real quick (laughs) the the history of this place is just incredible it was built in 1856 as a dark room uh, for a traveling photographer at the time uh really didn't hit its stride as a studio till about 1896 and um but when it did uh there was this one family the roy family and you can actually look up the roy family studio and actually see this information but um they shot as a family from 1896 to 1992. Wow. And in wow. 2004, there was a major flood here in town. And no. when they went in after uh, the people who bought the building after they went in, they found, uh, I think it was 30,000 glass plates oh, um, wow. underwater and a bunch of negatives and, and like just the amount of work was staggering. And so they pulled it all out, put it in freezer trucks, got it all, you know, properly restored, which is great. Wow. Um, and that's that's off somewhere safe now, which is good because it's about $8 million worth of uh, stuff. But No kidding. Um, but as far as it goes, the actual darkroom part is on the third floor of the building, so it was fine. Oh, thank God. Um, yeah, the important <laughs> stuff is good. Um, and up there we have, you know, the original sink from the 1800s uh, that's been re-resined and the original drawing rack and um right now we currently have four uh enlargers on the workbench um of all different types and then in our 10 sitting on the floor collecting dust unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) Uh, they were you know repairing testing and just going through but as far as goes it's a community dark room uh we we sell memberships for the year uh people can come in they can use our chemicals it's 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 just an amazing little community within our area uh, which is good because we don't have a big film community yet i'm working on that <laughs> wow. but as far as that goes i mean you know just just the history of the building to step yeah, in it there sounds like a museum almost it, it really kind of you know it's a museum where you get to touch and play yeah <laughs> Which is amazing. And, you know, I, I can't say enough about it. Like, it's just the history. Like, this is a building that was built and uses a dark room before Canada was a country. <laughs> what? Oh, my and, God. And within, you know, we're talking built in 1856. So we're talking 20 years from the first photograph ever being taken. And that is there was insane. people using it. And uh, if you actually look, look up Roy Studio, you can actually see some of the pictures um, from the glass slides and from the uh, negatives, which is, I mean, we're to, we're talking really early stuff. Yeah, that's so cool. Is that stuff like on display anywhere um, in right now, the darkroom? Right now, it's being um, held somewhere safe. Um, right. We don't we don't have the ownership of that. I believe the owner of the building does, um, but she is kind of the best portrait photographer in the area type thing, and so. Right. She fully believes in the dark room, keeping all this stuff. And like we have original enlargers and we have original parts and she's keeping all that to turn it into either a museum display or actually turn the place into a museum eventually, which is uh, wow. I'll definitely get involved with that as well. <laughs> yeah, that'll yeah. be so cool if you like get a little history, like a museum for like uh, like you walk through and it's like, oh, if you want to develop, it's over this way. Yeah. <laughs> Down the hall to the <laughs> left. <laughs> well, well, you can look at this image and it's like, you know, this is a 200 year old image, you know, here coming developed in the same exact place it was yeah, taken and developed. Crazy. And, yeah, it, it's crazy. Yeah, it's unbelievable and to have found it and, you know, um, just recently I took over the project as president. Of course, I f- feel very strong about it. So they were like, hey, you're really excited about this. 
<laughs> take the reins. So I'm like, okay. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I can't say enough about it, really. It's, it's every time I'm developing film in there, or if I'm, you know, doing a darkroom print, it's, it's grins ear to ear the whole yeah. way through. Yeah. What's the community actually like? You said it's not as big as you want it to be, but do you yeah. have some diehards? Peterborough is not a big city. Mm. So in reality, it's, it's you know, um, a lot of the, the younger community or younger photographers are getting into film. Um, we're, we're actually working with, uh, the local university, um, that's going to be doing a, um, film photography, uh, class yeah. and they're going to be, um, giving them membership at the, at the dark room so that we can get the newer generation in. Um, and you know, at my day job, I sell cameras. So, <laughs> um, I was talking to a guy today, he's interested to come in. And so it's, you know, it's growing slowly, but it's one of those things that it, it's going to kind of mushroom out and you know expand and i get people on instagram all the time when i'm posting pictures of it saying you know i'm from toronto i want to come visit it you know i definitely want to take the tour so yeah yeah for, i'm like for I, sure i'm like i want to go and visit now like <laughs> it, i want the tour you need to look it up chris he he sent me a couple pictures of the sink and stuff like that and it just it looks old and awesome so like that's yeah I that's right i love i love that stuff yeah, like yeah, yeah. And I, I wish, I mean, we do have a community darkroom here in Nashville, but I don't know. I don't know what happened, why I wasn't that interested. I mean, it's Nashville. It's, it's traffic is so hard to get to Nashville mm-hmm. from here. You know, Nashville is kind of like a vacation. Like my parents come to visit. We go to Nashville. Like right. I don't really go to Nashville that often. So it, it's tough for me to, to want to be involved in something like that. I wish it, it stinks that I had, there's a, it's not a community college. It's a, oh, it's O'More College of Design. It was literally, I see it out my window right now if I look. And they had just sold their school to another school, like their whole thing that they had going on there. And I was supposed to kind of go in partnership with one of their photography teacher and doing a whole darkroom there. Like he bought an entire darkroom off of somebody for a steal. Like the guy died, he got a deal. And he was like, you're the only other person I know that's like into this. Do you want to, you know, help out? And I was like, Oh yes, this is my dream. Like, and then they sold the school two months later. So it, I I just wish we had something like that. I wish we had, I mean, I wish I even had a basement because I I, I love, there is nothing. I mean, yes, shooting, shooting the pictures, like making the photos is, is amazing in itself, but like printing, your photos like actual wet prints like yeah burning dodging you yeah. know getting your hands yep. dirty with it is unbelievable to watch that picture show up for the first time and i used to have like a mini a mini enlarger and i could do like 8x10s and 5x7s in my bathroom but it's such a pain in the butt yeah. to do you know i'd rather especially now since we moved from where we were this bathroom's a lot smaller so it's not really an option anymore so i kind of I don't know. I feel like if you're if you're into this, like if you're into film photography, like you should at least dabble in that part of it because, you know, that's how they made prints back in the day. You mm-hmm. know, like if you wanted to actually see the picture, you had to print it, not hit print on your printer. You had to go in and like figure <laughs> it out. That was another step in the whole thing. Like printing is an art in itself. So like, ah oh, man, it really is an art. It really it is. is. It's, and, it's insane. And to go back to that kind of like that first time you see that print come to life in the chemical. Mm-hmm. I mean, the best part of being part of that project is 
when we're doing, you know, a seminar or something, we have some young people in there and they've never done it. And, you know, oh, not, yeah. not to get too corny, but, you know, even though it's dim in there, you just see their faces light up and they're just yeah. like, oh, yeah. whoa. <laughs> and it's hard to believe it's been since the last time I was in a dark room was probably at school. So probably like 2003, 2004 was the last time I did dark room print. Got to get into a, a dark room. Got to get into yeah. a dark room. And plus like the community aspect of that, like you must like go in like i wonder who's going to be there i wonder what you know who's going to be doing what like can't wait to like hang out and make prints or even even like board meetings you know you get to hang out with the other board members and it's like oh, okay yeah. so what's the plan for this week we're, like what kind of fun stuff we're we, doing that's the bet oh my god are, are, is there really not like a community dark room in la Chris? you know i haven't I, I haven't really looked into it to be honest i'm definitely gonna check it out i was actually i think i talked to you i was like I want to open my own. And you're like, well, yeah. that's a lot. And I was like, I know. But. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely doable. It's just, you know, rent yeah. and all that stuff. Like, cause I, 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 dude, I was right there with you just like mm-hmm. two or three years ago. I was like, I'm doing it, man. I'm going to, you know, this and this and this and this. Yeah. And then I started to really think about it. And I was like, oh man, this is so hard. Cause I'm the only person I know. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. you you know more people out on your end that shoot film and stuff yeah. like that. And I mean, there are people here that shoot film, but I don't know. Yeah. How many members do you, do you have like a number of members that you have, Justin? Uh, off the top of my head, current uh, running members is 15 from the last check, I believe. Mm. Uh, just off the top of my head. Uh, but, uh, when the class starts, that's going to swell over 45 pretty oh, quick. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit tougher to get some time in there, but, uh, I'm more than happy <laughs> to give up the time if that means that more people get into it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Man, because just think, the more people that get into it, the more people see that people are getting into it, businesses, and which opens up more options and just so much stuff. Like I, I want to get more involved in the community like that. Like I did a little class with a couple kids here in town, but I didn't get nearly as in, involved as I wanted to. You know, I really wish I had more time to give to the community of things of, of the community of photography and stuff here, especially getting youngsters and little, little guys into mm-hmm. it because I mean, they're what's going to be keeping it going once we're not here, you know? So mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why my better half, um, when I started shooting film, again, pretty hardcore, she was she was saying, oh, you know, the kids will never know what it is to shoot film. I'm like, no, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to know, you know, every so often it's still, oh, let me see the picture on the back of the camera. No, nope, can't do that. <laughs> but uh, they're, you know, I all the kids here, they've all shot uh, at least a roll of film through one of my cameras. And uh, and that's the other thing with the darkroom, too. You know, we, uh, with the community, it's such a good community. That we have cameras that have been donated to us to do like like rentals, oh, I love right? That. Oh, yeah. cool. And so like we have like an X seven hundred, we have a Pentax K one thousand, we you know all the great starting cameras that that can give people their start. So Damn. love hearing that. Yeah, and, and I don't care what anyone says, a darkroom print looks way better. Oh, for sure. I mean, I did the last time I printed was it was probably like two thousand fifteen. And wow, that seems so long ago now. I, I did know. a little, I was doing, we have an art crawl here. It's, you know, a small little town where we do art crawls every first Friday of the month. And I was putting together a quick little zine and Ilford sells the four by six postcards with like the postcard on the back. And, yes, I remember those. Oh man, they are 
amazing to do like to do a little printed postcard and then you know send it in the mail so yeah. i did a, a did a i did like a postcard series on pictures of where i'm from in franklin and it was just That's so fun oh man it was so much fun printing for that because i i think i did like 15 images or something like that and i wanted to do you know four or five of each and not everyone is the same you know like they're they're, they're close mm-hmm. like i can tell a difference probably someone who doesn't know the image isn't going to tell that much of a difference but that's what's so good about it it's so personal it's so just like i don't know man and learning the image you learn so much about your photography doing that like Mm -hmm. where you're overexposing and how you should shoot for the shadows and stuff there's just so much more you can learn once you take it to that step so i just i think that's kind of next for the community i hope we can kind of push on that aspect of things or at least for me i'm going to try to get more involved on that side of things because i have three enlargers just sitting in my closet right now and it's killing me i need to i need to do something about it yeah you know it's crazy i like i've seen them thrifting and i was like Mm -hmm. i was like i I would i should buy them but then i was like i don't have anywhere to put it like i I won't use it you know what i mean it looks cool, though. It looks would be a cool little piece to have in the corner of your... <laughs> but now and then I'm like, damn, you... I should have bought it because now I really want to go in the dark room. Yeah. I'm Jones in bed. <laughs> it is. It, it's... Oh, man. Ay, ay, ay. You know what looks even cooler than them sitting in the corner? <laughs> you, you using them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Man, <sighs> when I was working on that project, I was so stoked because it was like... It was a little... A little Bessler enlarger i mean it's so tiny it's like a tabletop one that i mean it only does eight by tens or something like that i think that's as big as it goes but i was having a blast with that thing like it almost reminded me of like an easy bake oven version of an enlarger it was so tiny (laughs) and but it was it, it was all i needed and man i remember it was just like the old days like back when i was in high school and stuff like that when we were printing because i haven't printed since high school and then to just kind of start doing it again randomly Uh because i wanted you know i wanted wet prints i wanted real prints because i feel like there's so much more value in that too as in like a fine art photographer Mm -hmm. you know doing your own hand printing goes i don't know i just feel like they look so much better and it's it's more to the story like when you're trying to sell your work if you try to sell your stuff or if you give it to your family or whatever i mean there's just more to it than oh i you know i printed this off my canon printer like i i can do a million of those but here's one awesome wet print that took yeah, me you, all day to do because yeah, you, it's you, it's not that easy you know when you've had your hands on every part of the process mm-hmm. the thing too is like if you're going to do like the fine art print thing one of the things that i like to do personally is you know because i'm dodging and burning and i'm playing with each mm-hmm. image i got my base exposure and once i have my base exposure then i'm starting to play and i don't like to make two that are the exact same so yeah where a lot of people write down the exact steps they did Mm-hmm. I'd rather have four different images that I can tell the difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that I know each one is unique. So it's it's one of those things. Yeah, you can get really good and get really close, but sometimes it's fun just to play and have yeah. four different versions of it. For sure. Man. Ansel Adams used to do it. Yeah, dude, he's oh, yeah. insane. Like if you look at his stuff, I mean he did that series. It's like the camera, the print the whatever that three book series is that he did i i think i only have two of the three books but i when i was getting into printing i 
got the print book off of Amazon. So I was like, if I'm going to learn how to do this, I'm learning from him. Like, he's mm-hmm. the best. Like, But so. even you look at his, like, his early prints of specific things. Like, if you look from early to late prints, he changed the way he was dodging and burning. Mm-hmm. So you could have a version that's more contrastier. You could have a version that was a little flatter. And, like, he didn't necessarily stick to always doing the exact same print even though he did write down everything he did yeah he would still vary it man it's just crazy to think that he would like shoot for printing you know like we don't do that Mm -hmm. anymore we don't really we shoot for lightroom and photoshop to (laughs) you know oh i i can turn the i can turn the highs down in photoshop it'll be okay if it's a little overexposed (sighs) or whatever like i don't know that's like when I was shooting my light and I was purposely overexposing them just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Crush those blacks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I know all about that. <laughs> That's like my favorite thing in the world. <clears throat> yeah. I, I was um, last summer. My main shooter was a, like a Leica 2F, I think it was. And um, I was m- mixing between a couple lenses. But one of them was this really, really old uh, Sumar F2. And <laughs> it was so bad. Um, the, the, <laughs> like it's an uncoated lens, but the yeah. thing was hazy and was nasty. So I take mm. it all apart, clean it all up. It's still not the best lens. Uh, a lot of characters people like to say online. Mm-hmm. Um, the, yes, and the yes. only way I can make the images look suitable for my taste was to, uh, push to 1600, but shoot for 800. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I, I was getting that extra wow. stop because, um, shooting HP five. You, you get that extra contrast if you do that, you know, that little bit of a uh, overexposure. Yes. And <laughs> so, like, everything's overexposed. And I had, a you know, one guy on Instagram who's like, you know what? You shouldn't do that. You can do that in the dark room. I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. All right, guys. This is a part of the show where we break off and take a question from one of our listeners. And this week's question comes from Jack Williams. Where do you see the film industry in 10 years? Film stock, cameras, etc.? Justin, you want to go first? Sure. Now, I I feel I have a a bit more insight into this just because I I do deal with companies like Elford directly and stuff like that. Um, The inside scoop. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I I honestly think in the next 10 years, we are going to see a lot more film stocks. Um, We're going to see a lot more startups as well, Um, kind of coming in, playing that game. Uh, We kind of talked about that early in the podcast, but um, I honestly think that you're going to have two segments of shooters. You're going to have your digital guys who that's their job or that's, they just don't want to deal with film. But I think that film, the film community is just growing too quickly. It's the fastest growing segment in photography period right now in the marketplace. And I don't see that changing uh, in the next few years, which means the 10 year outlook is going to be extremely, extremely exciting, man. I just feel like Japan camera hunter, Bellamy hunt, as soon as he drops whatever his little secret camera project <laughs> is, I think people are going to start following suit because there's going to be companies that are going to want to do cheaper ones because I know his is going to be pretty expensive. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like once the first or first couple new cameras come out, then it's going to it's going to open the floodgates. At least that's what I feel in my heart, because, you know, there's always competition. There's just always a healthy competition in any business. So I feel like, you know, the cheaper companies are going to start bringing out the, well, you know, just like the sure shots and stuff like that, you know. And it was funny on April Fool's 
April Fool's Day, Jared Poland, Frono's photo, he did a video on Sony releasing the A7F. And like, I literally bought it when I first heard it. I was like, dude, that's so cool. And I posted on my Instagram and literally after the second person was like, oh, you got me, I believe. And I was like, oh, no, I just told a lie and I didn't mean to. Wait, wait, what was the camera? What did you say? He said he said it's basically, you know, the A7 s or a7 yeah, yeah. like he said that sony's doing an a7f it was brilliant it's, though it's like an yeah. a7 mirrorless film camera yeah they can shoot like a roll of film in two and a half seconds yeah and it's even got like a speed rewind and it had all these focus <laughs> points like i I just looked at the I I mean I'm one of those types of people that reads that the headline is the story for me. I'm just like, oh my god and I like quick like wrote a little thing on Instagram and like got two people responding and they're just like, Oh, you got me, you're so funny and I'm just like Whoops. Oh wait. I was like, April Fools, delete, delete, delete <laughs> But I don't know, man. I just feel like if if these companies want to kind of stay relevant i feel like they kind of need to make make a film camera too yeah. maybe canon will do something i mean think of the the sales they would have if they would make like a badass compact or something like that mm-hmm. or like a badass rangefinder. like it's i don't know i know Leica's gonna keep smashing it Leica always smashes it there's always Leicas everywhere so don't forget voigtlander they still make them they do they do yep you can get buses that are brand new out of the box wow Man. But I mean, I think that's the trend that we're on, you know, like right now, all the film cameras that we have are like getting more and more expensive. And I feel like it mm-hmm. has to hit a wall at some point. Like if it takes like people like Bellamy putting out film cameras to bring everything to a neutral back down to a normal, yeah. you know, affordable situation, because there's so many like even like my little the stylus Epic, they're going for like 350 now and I paid 150 for it. And they, those were like 30 bucks like oh, yeah. three years ago. In their day, though, they were that much money. Right. You know, when they yeah. were new, they were very expensive cameras. But just like you said, I saw an Epic for $600 and I was just <laughs> taken back by that because I have one that just needs its flash fixed sitting on my shelf. I'm like, ooh, that's half my rent. Yeah. Like, heck yeah, that's just sitting there in case something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you see the thing, the, ad, the B&H ad that Burt's put up? No, like, I, I it didn't was see like it. in the nineties it had all like like the stylus epic and like what they really cost. And the Shishik T4 was like one fifty. And I was like, What? No kidding. <laughs> That's what they sold for new. And now they're like five hundred dollars. It's insane. It would just be nice to to have some new cameras. Yeah. To know that they can be maintenance, they can be taken care of, we can have warranties again, and the lemons that you know, I I know I've bought I bought like a bad camera before mm-hmm. off of like eBay and stuff like that. Like it would just be nice to have reliability in film photography. Yeah, and I feel you know? like that's definitely like the where we're headed. Back to the question of like where we see it in ten years. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I like I we never thought that like Kodak would be like resurrecting these films. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's that's a pretty big deal. I I think you know like and and, and we we only have like Justin said like just wait and see what what we, what's going to be coming in the next 10 years i feel yeah there's too many people in the in the community and and new like startups and you know so many people just trying to get their foot in the door 
that mm-hmm. we're at that kind of very early stage. It's almost like an early adopter stage in a way, except for it's come through before. It's kind of a weird yeah, setting, yeah. but, you know, with the film community as strong as it is, you get all these companies getting all excited for us to shoot their products. So so it's like, it's almost like, like, I wonder if one day, like, Fuji will be like, well, wait, we're going to bring back this film. Ta-da! You know? I wouldn't be surprised. Pro- yeah? Yeah. They would, they would or they won't? I think they will. I, I, I honestly, like, when, when I first read those, you know, discontinuation notices, mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking, okay, they are going the complete opposite way right. that the community is going. And like I said, right. I'm not kidding you. I work in the camera industry. Mm-hmm. I can tell you for a fact film is the number one growing part of the, of the photography segment. And Man. for them to go completely 180 and go the wrong right. way somebody there is going to go, oh, wait a second. Yeah, whoops. It, it, this feels like, no, not as big, but it feels like, you know, when Kodak created the digital camera and then goes, uh, we don't want to make that because yeah. that's going to ruin everything else. Yeah. It, it kind of feels yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That was a good question. I just hope I just hope it's not the dead cat bounce, as our buddy Dave bias said you know that it's kind of the last hurrah like i just really hope that we're not being extremely naive about this i don't feel that in my heart i I don't feel that in my heart either i feel like it's growing but we could just be so dumb and blind to this and it's all just going to (laughs) disappear i hope not i hope not i mean that's why i said that's why i said i was nervous in the beginning you know yeah think of it this way um kodak split off into two companies under their name um yeah one was sold off to you know some off-brand stuff but you look at you look at that and that off-brand side died like it it died a miserable death and it was sad to see because it had the kodak name on it but they kept the pro film um Mm -hmm. part of their company and they're in profit. They're actually making money. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's money to be made there. <laughs> and that means businesses can thrive. That's great. Man. Great question. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jack. Let me shout out your Instagram handle really quick. And Jack's Instagram is at at jamwills, two Zs on the end of that, J-A-M-W-I-L-L-Z-Z. And thanks again so much for sending in your question. All right, Justin, it's this part of the show where we have to ask you the the really tough question, although I feel like you'll have probably a really great <laughs> answer. Listeners want to know, what is your favorite camera, if you had to pick just one? This is kind of a funny story because literally, if you had me on the show a month ago, it'd be different. Right. Um, it, it's one of those things I would have said my Leica M uh, series, but uh, I recently got my number two all-time favorite hopeful camera to get. And uh, that was a TLR, a uh, uh, Rolly cord, uh, six Ooh. by six. And I got to be honest with you, just the feel of shooting it. Um, I really, I'm one of those people who dig six by six, and mm-hmm. my yeah, eye same, sees same ex- here. my eye sees extremely well in six by six. So it's got to be that. I mean, I can I can do street photography with it. I can do landscape with it. I can do portrait with it. I can do pretty much anything. And the lens on it is just beautiful. Is that what two point eight? Uh no, it's actually like a four or five. Oh wow. <laughs> no, wow. it's the it's the rolly cord, it's the baby. It's it's oh, actually okay. s- it's smaller than the Roloflex. I know you have a Yashica Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yashica A. Okay, so And that's like three five, I think. It's like a lot smaller than that, but it doesn't oh. look it. It but it's still six by six and it's just light and tiny and you know, it's one of those cameras that if you're shooting on the streets, people walk up to you and go 
Exactly. Oh my God. And you yeah. go, oh, can I take a picture of you? It's, it's so crazy. Like people walk up to me all the time when I'm out with that camera. I, I do. I do love uh, some of the ones I get, though. You know, had a had a few a couple weeks ago where, you know, oh hey, uh, I, I haven't seen a Hasselblad in years. What? Mm, huh? <laughs> yes, <laughs> or, I it, get that all the time. Or is yeah. that a Leica? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, no, not even close. <laughs> mm, but uh, yeah, no, it was my dream camera number two that I got. And yeah, definitely, uh, you know, um, got that through thrifting. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, you need to explain your little thrifting story here for, yeah. for everyone. Yeah, my, my camera collection story is quite interesting. Um, when I started shooting film, I decided that, you know what, I want a Leica M. Just like every other film shooter, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, if you don't want to like M, that's because you already have one. Uh, so, <laughs> so I, true. I literally put, you know, I couldn't afford one. There's no way I could afford one. We have three kids in the house. I just, there's no way it's happening. Yeah. So I decided I'm going to thrift the cameras and I'm going to buy and I'm going to sell. And my goal was in one year to have a Leica M. And about July of last year, I got my first Leica, which was a Leica 2f which is the barnack like us mm-hmm. um and just through buying and selling um it wound it up that before the year was out not only did i have my dream camera number one but my dream camera number two and uh <laughs> and i think overall i think i put 15 dollars out of pocket so what <laughs> um, did you start with what did you start with my first big sale was a rolly 35 that i got at a flea market uh, i think i paid 15 dollars for it um and sold it for <laughs> some ridiculous amounts of money on ebay mm-hmm. um it was funny because at the time i was like being all serious and like I, I got these camera boxes that you could put them in and i printed off the history of the cameras it was, it was quite humorous um and then <laughs> my my next uh it was almost right away as well was i got a box and i'm not kidding you this was like the photographer's box he owned everything from original and inside of it was a contacts two in near mint oh, condition man. Um, which is like, that's the camera that Robert Kappa took to war mm-hmm. and like just beautiful camera and then had an older Minolta. I can't remember what that was. Sold the Minolta for like 200. Um, sold, <sighs> I sold the, um, a 28 mil lens for the contacts for, uh, I think it was like 1400. <laughs> so wow. that, that one was a little bit of luck. Um, and then of course just picking up cameras as I go, I can't tell you how many K 1000s I got. And we all know how well yeah. those sell. See, my problem is I keep them. I don't want to sell them. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm trying to do a YouTube um, channel giveaway because I hit like a thousand subscribers. And I texted Timothy. I have a, a a one step. And the only reason why I'm like, I'll give this one away is because I have another one. But I'm still like, but what if that one? I should keep both though. <laughs> like I, I I could never get to a like because I would just I just I'm a hoarder when it comes to my cameras. I got I got really lucky with my finds and I was finding a lot. And so, like, literally, you know, I'd maybe put a roll through and <laughs> and it was like, yeah. oh, I got to move on to the next one. And then you get hooked on the next one. So you sell the previous. And um, I'm in a room right now that is literally, I think there's 30 some odd cameras just sitting on <laughs> shelf behind me um, that I have to go through. And those are just the point shoots. Wow. <laughs> and like everything, like from Olympus to Rico to you name it. And like I, I hold no bars. Like, yeah. If it's a two dollar camera, I'm buying a two dollar camera. If it works, great. If it doesn't, it's hitting the garbage. But <laughs> it's it's one of those things that. And like today, I, I went out before um, we recorded this, and I picked up a one step, an original ah. one step, and I'm like, 
oh, I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I was very, very stoked about that. And then, you know, it's just, and, you know, some weeks are bust. You, you don't find anything. But, you know what? You keep your head high. And, you know, it's the weeks you feel the worst about it that you find the best stuff. I feel like it's it's where you live. I, I, it's, I'm just dried up over here. You know, it's, have you been doing flea markets? Yeah, I went to the flea yeah. markets this weekend. Yeah, not too much there. There wasn't really, I mean, I didn't want to, stuff that I didn't want to like, because the flea markets, they kind of know what they have. Yeah. You know, so like the point and shoots are like $40. I'm like, oh, I don't know, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I have a guy at our local flea market that I told him what I'm doing. And I'm like, look, I'm going to be honest. This is what I'm doing. I know you're buying them at au- auction. <laughs> yes. Call me when you get something, <laughs> right? And we'll work out a price. And That's if I smart. like it, I'm taking it. Like it's that simple. And you know, I've become kind of known in town as okay. I'm gonna buy film cameras. So like every so often, I'll get a phone call for somebody random, and I'll be like, "Yeah, I have a uh, Mamiya C220 TLR. <laughs> Do you want that for like fifty bucks? No, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. So it, you know, it's one of those things that um, I mean, it couldn't have gone better. It's kind of yeah, like that Cinderella like story. A- yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, <laughs> okay, so here, here's my three cameras that are in my bag every single day that I go out. Yeah. I have the Rollicord, a Minolt, or sorry, the Leica M1, and a Rolly 35. I got a second one, so. <laughs> and Ooh. I just got that. And I got it for, <laughs> I think, so I got the Rollicord and the, um, and the Rolly 35 from the same guy. He was like a Rolly shooter. And no I, I think I paid 150 for both. And I'm like... Oh, no kidding. And then I look up the Rolly 35 again, and it's like the LED one, which everyone's like, well, that's not the popular one. Then you go look on eBay, $450. <laughs> that's insane. Um, I, I didn't I, know they were going for that much. Jeez. Yeah, they're... You know what, though? They're really cool cameras. It's a, yeah, it's, it's like cool. a zone-focused camera. Cool. Yeah. It's hard to use. You have to fight it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's, you know, it's... You know what it really reminds me of is a really tiny version of like the Olympus Trip 35. Mm. That's really what mm. it reminds me of because it's zone focus, pain the butt to use. Zone but, focusing is so hard. But has a Carl Zeiss lens on it and it takes insanely good photos. They do. And, mm-hmm. and when you hit it right, you hit it right. And it's, you know, you can take that right home to the bank and, you know, it's great. It's awesome still bums me out i passed i passed on one at the little antique mall that we have here and they wanted like 35 bucks for it or something <laughs> stupid and i was like uh i just don't and now that you're saying that they're going for like 400 bucks you're um, like damn it yeah well it's funny because <laughs> when i saw my first one right like I, sh- I shot two rolls through it and i liked it but i knew what it was worth and i knew where mm-hmm. i was going and like i had the vision i gotta sell it i gotta get to my like and then I was like, no, I sold it. <laughs> I need to get another <laughs> one. And it just, you know, when getting that other camera, just by chance. And it was actually funny. That same guy called me, a uh, really good guy. Uh, he called me up and he goes, look, I got a Yashica, um, Yashica mat, the original Yashica mat. Um, and I got one of those. The shutter is sticking. Are you interested? I'll give it to you for like nothing. If you think you can fix it. And I'm one of those people who's not afraid to go in. Like, I'm not yeah. a camera tech. No, I, I'm the same way. <laughs> I'm going in. Like, mm-hmm. if I get it for the right price, I don't care. And, like, literally 30 minutes later, a little bit of, you know, machine oil and everything. And now it's working. And it's like, wow. okay. Uh, I love it. Now I got to re-leather it. But now I got a <laughs> nice little TLR. Nice little Ishika. <laughs> 
It's the best, man. That's the bummer about those Yashikas, though. You have to, like, totally tear the leather off of them to fix them. Oh, yeah, it was, like, almost plastic. <laughs> yeah, wow. it, it, that's how mine was, too. I had to, oh, my focusing dial broke on my, on my just Yashika mat. I had the Yashika mat and then the Yashika 124G, but the original, it's same thing. The, the, the leatherette just, like, flaked off. It was so crap. <laughs> man cool oh, yeah i'm glad i'm glad we got into your little thrifting story it gives me hope for maybe maybe selling some of the cameras that i have <laughs> and, <laughs> and then you'll on, have a leica yeah and honestly you know chris just take your time and, and don't feel pressured about it um i am literally now here's the cheat that i have i am five minutes away from my valley village um, so I'm not too far. <laughs> so That's the one I go to, Valley so, Village. They're, they're the ones that have a lot of, the most I've seen. Like, I feel like Goodwill doesn't really have anything anymore. No, yeah, I, I feel the same way. Um, but, like, I am there religiously. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know what, same, on the way home, me. I'm in and I'm out because I know exactly where to look. Mm-hmm. Exactly, you, me too. If you know a Valley Village, they'll yeah. have like three places to look, not That's, just one. Yeah, there's like, why? They're like, we walk in, it's like this spot over here, and you walk all the way around to the back to the corner, there's another spot, and then there's in the cage, and then there's like one spot in the front too. Have you seen the uh, Polaroid Pro? No. Um, it's this wacky camera, and it like opens up like a transformer. Like it's the most ridiculous oh. looking, like, it almost looks like a larger Spectra system okay. and it, it like pops up and the whole like lens comes down this is i don't know i i make transformer noises every time i open it <laughs> but but like i'm walking through their like knickknack section which is like you know the little figurines and it's just sitting there i'm like uh. mm. uh-huh <laughs> and it go figure it actually had like the um the canister or the cartridge in it no film but you know i was able to at least fire the shutter or everything yeah, yeah. yeah so cool. i was like yeah yeah i think i'll take that and i think i paid like three dollars for it <laughs> it's so hard to walk into like a thrift store and not want to just turn the whole place over because like what if there's something buried underneath that i don't you know like because everything's kind of scattered and on top of each other i was gonna say that's why i always go through the kids toy section mm-hmm. i've found so many point and shoots in the kids toy section because the little kid picks them up runs around with them True. and then ends up finding a toy and just leaves it sitting there. True. So I always do a sweep through there and I'll find something. I'll find at least one busted something with the battery door missing. But and you know what the worst is like with the the small point shoots and we all see them. They're like the two three dollar bag ones. Mm-hmm. I can't stay away. No, I just can't neither. do it. I mean, I have boxes of them yeah, right now. Like literally, when I say there's 30 cameras behind me on the shelf, those are the ones that are to be film tested. Like, and I added another one tonight, and it's like, oh. <laughs> they call That's why they call it film, the camera rescue for a reason. We yeah, feel like yeah. we're rescuing them. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, you, get, you, you know, you open it up, you go into the battery compartment, it's all corroded inside, mm-hmm. and yep. it's like, oh, God. And then a little pro tip for you, throw a little vinegar in there, it'll take that corrosion right out. But <laughs> yeah. then you throw yeah. the batteries in and get, get out shooting with it. It's the best. And you know what? Like, I picked up this Canon. Like, I can't remember what it is. Like, Canon Cameo or something. It's not even a spectacular camera, but, you know, 50 millimeter. You know, I think it's F3.5. And you look at the images online that it's taking, like, on the Lomography website. Because I always look at it, right? Like, I'm always looking it up. And it's like, wow, this takes really good pictures. (laughs) For $2, I can't say no. (laughs) Cannot say no. Yeah, I found some of my favorite cameras that way. Just, like, no names off off brand i have like a vivitar 
I think that's what they're called, Vivitar. Uh, it's it's a it's actually a two point eight point and shoot. It's so clunky. It's definitely like eighties, but the pictures it takes are fantastic. Like mm-hmm. they're great, you know. And I never would have ever thought about that camera if I wouldn't have found it, you know. So it's cool. All right, it's time again for another Patreon spotlight. And this week's spotlight is on Jason Konopinski. He is an analog photographer, yogi, and writer based in Hanover, Pennsylvania, which is literally like 45 minutes from where I grew up. He has lived the life of a full-time freelancer for more than a decade, writing for a mix of editorial and corporate clients. His interest in analog process photography began in earnest when... At gentle coaxing of a fellow yogi and photographer, he bought a Canon AE-1 program as a means to train his eye and creative vision towards composition, emotional response, and personal expression. Preferring to work with the traditional film, 35, medium format, and large formats, Jason uses photography as an extension of his yoga practice, recognizing that drive to self-expression and create meaning is a universal condition as we seek to understand our true nature as the seer. Jason Exposed exists as a central hub for personal creative projects, essays, photo sets, and a weekly vlog. Thanks again, Jason. We appreciate it so much. And we love seeing you in the comment section all the time and in the group on Facebook. And man, we just can't say thank you more than enough. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Justin. Where can everybody check you out? Everyone can check me out on Instagram, which is at filmshow. This is where things get weird because it's the branding's all wrong. But uh, Instagram at Film Show. I also have my own podcast, which is www.notafraidofgrain.com. Love that name. That's a great name. I love it. Of course, (laughs) everything else is is branded wrong because of this, but I came up with it after. Um, And then (laughs) my YouTube is youtube.com slash the film show. And that's pretty much where you'll find me. Awesome. Timothy, what about you? All right, guys, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Timothy Makeups. I also make YouTube film photography related videos. I don't know why I say that every time like you guys don't know, because <laughs> you probably do. If you listen to this, you probably watch my videos. So, But you can go to YouTube.com slash Timothy Makeups Ditzler. It's a mouthful and I'm very sorry. I'm still trying to figure out how to fix that. Um, I think you can only change it so many times in oh. such little time. And I'm like, now I have to wait because I was like, oh, I want it to be this. Oh, I want it to be that. So, But uh, yeah, I also do kind of a little personal podcast. It's called We Believe in Film. That is also living on my YouTube and it's on SoundCloud if you just prefer audio. I've been trying to kind of mix video and the audio for that little thing. But uh, trying to think if there's anywhere else that I'm at. No, I think that's it. Chris, where are you at? So I am Crispy Photo on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Um, I have a film only Instagram, which is Crispy Shoots Film. Um, I just recently started. LA camera style, which is kind of a tribute to um, Tokyo camera style and all those um, blogs and accounts. So you can check that out too if you like cameras in LA. Um, (laughs) And then we are uh, Analog Talk Pod on Twitter, Analog Podcast on Instagram. We have a Facebook page you can like and a group you can join. And that's that's it. That's us. Yay. (laughs) You guys can't see, but confetti's falling and balloons are everywhere and rockets are shooting off because it's the end of another awesome show i i I can confirm that yeah (laughs) man thanks so much justin for being on no problem and and thanks for your podcast it definitely inspires me 
and uh, keep on rocking. Awesome. Heck yeah. All right, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. First off, I'd like to thank Justin Holt for being on the show. Guys, don't forget to go check out his podcast, Not Afraid of Grain. And that brings me to the Patreon. Guys, we have a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash analog talk. We have a bunch of perks there. We're giving stickers away. We're giving pins. There's also a tier where I think Chris and I are giving away a print. And then there's other tiers where we're featuring you guys. We're doing Patreon spotlights. We're also going to be doing live chats with you guys and having, you know, reoccurring guests on those live chats, just kind of shooting the you know what. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And and for all of you who have already donated, thank you so much, guys. It, it it truly helps us reach the goal of, you know, making this kind of a reality. So every little bit helps. And we will see you guys next week. Later. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio.